This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. You guys, how important is sleep temperature? It's everything to me. And this is where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief, and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me slash FTL to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offer is exclusively available for the love listeners, only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep, that's S-L-E-E-P, dot M-E slash F-T-L, because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the show, you guys. I'm so delighted to have you here this week as we wrap up this little gem of a series called For the Love of Conversations with Jen and Kelly. It has really genuinely been a gift. We had these conversations originally over on my good friend Kelly Corrigan's podcast, and I loved them so much. She said, hey, why don't you take these and let your community hear them as well if they haven't already. So thank you for that, Kelly, because this is right in our wheelhouse over it in our community here. So I'm so tickled to add new thoughts and takeaways here. So there's some fresh content that I added into all four episodes just for us. And if you've missed any of them, you guys go back, go back and pick them up. We have really built an incredible little body of discussions here in this series. And I think you're going to love every single one of them this week included this week. We're talking about the men we love. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that right now. This is something that Kelly and I have long shared. If you listen to the very first episode that we did on change in the intro, I talked about how Kelly and I met 
And the sort of centrifugal force that pulled us originally together was her memoir called The Middle Place, which was one of my favorite books. And in it, she gives the story of her dad, Greeny. And Greeny's energy is so similar to my dad's. So similar. I called my sisters and my mom and I went, stop what you're doing. You have to read this book immediately. Kelly's Greeny is our dad. And so these dads that we love so much and who have such this, and of course we've lost Greeny at this point, but he had this exuberant positive glass half full energy in the world where when his love is directed at you, it's like the sun is shining on your face. My dad is just like that. And so that originally brought us together. And so it was really fun for us to dream up this conversation about the men we love because we have long talked about the men that we love together. So for me, like as a leader of primarily women, I am drawn to lifting up women and creating spaces where they can thrive and share their worries and their fears. But hands down, one thing that has routinely made my life better is the men that are in it. I mean, my brother, my dad, my best friend's husbands, my sons, some of my work friends, they have taught me how to love better and have added so much value and joy into my life. And right now, in a lot of ways, in in some ways that are fair, but in other ways that aren't, men are just getting thrown under the bus, carte blanche a little bit in our culture, right? Obviously, again, sometimes very rightly so, and much overdue in some areas, but it still stands that there are good men and boys in our culture, men that defy the misogynistic stereotypes and lift up women and are good for the world, right? They're there for their sisters and their wives and their daughters and their mothers. I think oftentimes we we see men portrayed as wild and rough and emotionally unregulated and unattached. And of course, those traits can sometimes be found. But what I've experienced most often is that the men in my life are mostly tender and caring and loving and connected. Like they care deeply for their people and will do whatever it takes to keep them safe and happy and well-loved. Like I, I cannot name the number of times in these last two years that the men in my life have made sure that I was supported and cared for and loved by them, not just by their wives, by them. If there was anyone who may want to bash men, it may be someone whose marriage ended in a heartbreaking way. But I don't want to go down like that. And I don't even feel that way. I don't feel bitter. Instead, it makes me reflect about the men in my life who have shown up in the most beautiful ways since then and before, frankly. And the men who modeled incredible, compassionate and good behavior, integrity as fathers and uncles and brothers and sons. So Kelly grew up with three older brothers. And I grew up with one who was 10 years younger than me, who I consider to be my own personal baby. More about that in this episode. She and I both benefited from having wonderful caring fathers, as mentioned. And when push came to shove in her life and her dad was nearing his last days on this earth, the men of his generation showed up for him and the wife he was about to leave behind and all their children. And you guys, ugh. Kelly shares a reading from a book that she has written that has yet to be published about the day her dad died. And I just, all I can tell you is do not be in public and have your tissues ready. It's 
hard and it's sad and it's just beautiful. And we both cried. Look, I'm about to cry. Just, just remembering it. Ugh. Oh, sorry. It's a doozy, but it's so lovely. So here's to the men in our lives, the ones on our short list to call that we know will be there. The ones who are so deeply connected to their people and their people's people, right? Those who can cut through the crap and get right to the heart of a matter at just the right time. Those that we're raising, the sons in our homes who we know to be tender and true and good in their little souls, right? I'm so grateful that I get to do this life with all of those men by my side. They have made me who I am today. They are precious to me. Yes, I love their wives and I love their daughters and I love all the women that surround them. But man, do I love the men in my life? They are a gift to me and to everyone in my life and in my family. And I really cannot imagine weathering the rest of my days without them. So please enjoy this absolutely lovely, emotional conversation with my friend Kelly Corrigan as we wrap up our incredible For the Love of Conversation series featuring Jen and Kelly. I'm back for the final episode with Jen Hatmaker. Hey, Jen Hat. Hey, I'm sad that this is our last episode. It, it went too fast. To be forever. So our last conversation that we wanted to have is about men we love. And I'll tell you why. I was reading your Instagram feed, which is really pretty good reading. But anyway, this yeah. friend of yours has a husband named Trey and he had a birthday and you were writing about him in a way that just reminded me of how many men I totally love in the world. Like people that my friends have married, mm. Of course, my brothers, of course, my dad, my uncles. I have so many guy cousins that I'm just crazy about. Mm. So I thought it might be really fun to finish out the series with some conversation and readings about Mm. men we love. I love this so very much. In my world, so much of the conversations that I host and lead, even the big ideas that I champion are women-specific which is great. That's my work and I love it. But I am like you, you and I, yet another thing we have in common, we have the greatest men and we always have. And so I actually love this conversation. I think it's missing from community dialogue a little bit. And so yay for this conversation. Aren't you clever for coming up with this one? (laughs) It's based on you. But you you must have this experience too, where when I do readings, it's like 288 women. Right. And, and four guys. <laughs> right, totally. And every I mean, time. every time I'm like, we're here yeah. to talk about bras, periods, <laughs> and menopause. So if you want to leave, leave now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Kelly, you and I did a tour together. It's wall-to-wall women. And then there'd always be like that guy, that one, you know, the wife drug him there. Yep. We Welcome. commend you. Yep. Welcome. I'm sorry you're on the front row, but your wife was clearly enthusiastic. Right. And so, we know you're married uh-huh. to a bossy babe because she's like, you're coming with me. You need to hear this. Exactly. These two ladies exactly. have things to teach you. And then I <laughs> often find that the men like are the most moved. Like a lot of times mm. in the signing line, they have little tears yeah. in their eyes and because you're it's so, so right. different for them. It's such mm. a different kind of content for them. Tell oh, me about some men you love. Let's start with my friend's husbands because you mentioned Trey. Isn't it funny how and how lucky we can get when the women that we love have men that we love too? 
my friend group is pretty baked in and has been for over two decades. So I met Trey and Jenny when I was 24. So I was just a baby. I was just a little tiny baby with a baby. They're seven years older than me. I like an older friend, I must say. I just want to put that out right now. I could not agree more. They get to take all the licks Right. A few years ahead of you and you learn about tell it. you all the secrets. That's exactly right. And so pretty much Trey's been like a brother to me for my entire adult life. In July of 2020, when my life came apart in one second, in just a minute, it was one thing. And the next minute, it was completely something new. And Brandon left. And was it Brandon like, left. oh my God, you found an email and you were like, everything's different? Or like, how did, what was the one minute? It was like that. Yeah. It was like a moment of now I know something that I did not know one second ago and it'll change everything in forever. And Brandon wasn't in the house from that day on. That was the last day he was actually in the house. And about three days later, and I I can't explain to you what the fog I was in. Just uh, my sisters slept in bed with me. And so it was three days later and I was going to have to have a really hard conversation. One that was going to have a lot of clarity inside of it, answers, truth telling. It was so scary. And it was going to be here at my house. You and Brendan. Yeah. And my friends, of course, knew it. Nobody had left my side in a 24-hour cycle. And so Trey and Trace got in their car and they came over to the house and they texted me and they said, we are here. We are sitting outside. We're in your driveway in our car. Mm. And we're going to stay here until you're done talking. Mm. They were like, you you just say, you text us one word and we will be there. This is the kind of men I have in my life. That's incredible. I mean, I love it when people take action. I think that's like a distinguishing feature of awesomeness is that Mm. many of us like think, do you think we should go over there? Do you think we should make her dinner? Do you think we should maybe just go sit in the driveway? But then often, like I bet nine times out of 10 people say, oh, maybe that's invasive. But what I think they're mm-hmm. really feeling is like, maybe that's going to be really uncomfortable and I'm mm-hmm. going to feel kind of stupid or like I'm mm-hmm. out of touch with the moment or that I'm overreaching. So the mm-hmm. people who actually do, instead yeah. of just think about doing, are yeah. like so extraordinary. Like that's so loving and kind of bold, boldly loving, Ugh. I would say, that they showed up and sat out there. Boldly loving. And let the record show... They didn't do anything except draw near. Like what you just said is so true. I think we have this metric for coming close to somebody that we love in their pain or in their suffering that we've got to hit the right notes. We've got to get the formula right. But that's not really how suffering works. It's just that sense of you have to do this, but we'll make sure you're just not alone while you're doing it. That's enough. Yeah, draw near is a really good phrase. That's a really good something to hold on to. You know, I had this thing after my dad died, I was working on this eulogy and one of my best friends, Jeff Constable, lives down the street from us. And I had gone over there a lot and his wife's incredible. And we had talked a lot as it was unfolding. And then I was trying Mm -hmm. to write this eulogy and I was so, I felt like I was coming up so Mm -hmm. short and I was putting so much Mm -hmm. pressure on myself. It was like, as if I hadn't already written enough words about this guy and our special relationship. Like, it just felt like, what are you going to do in five minutes? What's going to be, what's going to be right for this? And so I was upstairs. I think the service was around three or four in the afternoon. And this was say Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock in the morning. 
you know, there's the like the usual nonsense where Georgia can't find a pair of black shoes and sure. Edward doesn't know where his tie is. And I was up in this bedroom upstairs and it's still in my pajamas at 11. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that I was not functioning. And I guess I had been texting with Jeff or something and saying like, this is not working. I don't, I don't have it. The next thing I knew, he was standing in the door. Hmm. And it was like a, it was like a dream. I mean, I was like, I can't believe you came. I can't hmm. believe you just got in your car and drove down here so and came up the stairs into our house. And of hmm. course, he's so funny because growing up, like we were never allowed to have people on the second floor. I don't know why. It was like a sure. major league rule. And there he was on the second floor. (laughs) I said, I can't believe you're here. I can't Mm. believe you're on the second floor. And he goes, I think I got lucky in this room once before. (laughs) (laughs) You know, after like a game of quarters Uh, and maybe some thumper at the kitchen table. Um, So anyway, and and he just sat on the bed and he said, go ahead, like read it to me. And I I read it out loud and he's like, Kel, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Totally Mm. incredible. I'm also thinking about fun people, guys to work with. And I have this editor, Andy Ward, who is as dry and funny and smart and sane. Mm. So sane. Like Mm. he's never, it's never lost on him. Mm. Like if I'm going to wring my heart out in a book, like this is a real story and I'm a real person Mm. and I got to take it out there in front of real readers. And so there's like a patience and a sanity to his communications with me Mm. that... I'm so grateful for it. He never comes at it from this kind of yeah. hard-nosed business angle of like, we really need to get you out there and this is the season for you and you've got all this TV and yeah. radio coming up and this would be a great time to release a book. Like he would never say something like mm-hmm. that. He wouldn't even think it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not even in his nature to package me in any way. It's just like mm-hmm. either the pages are ready or the pages aren't ready and, and either you're ready to release the pages or you're not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so be it. Like that's a pretty awesome business relationship. I'm so drawn and tickled by your use of the word sane to apply to him. Because you know, that makes immediate sense to me. Like why that is valuable to you. Because you and I deal in words and feelings. Yeah. Like we traffic in sentimentality and melodrama. Let's be honest. Yeah. And so, you know who this reminds me of, Kelly? Of course, you know this because you went on tour with me. Is Pepper, who's my my producer on all my tours and he's so sane. He is like he is level. So level. I mean, and God help him. He 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 has to be. I mean, you know, we're all like fiery and wild and we're so much. And we're having ideas at like 545 for a 630 show. Like what do you think? You know, someone just sent me this picture. Don't you think that'd be kind of fun (laughs) to put up on the screen behind us when we're talking about this at 718? Oh no, we did that on the regular. Or like, I'm gonna pull this and I'm gonna replace it with this. It's gonna be fine. Let's workshop it tonight in front of you know a thousand women. It's fine. (laughs) And Pepper, I've never seen him rattled. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him lose his cool. Well, he has perspective. Like he knows what matters and what doesn't. He knows that we're there to have a good time, that we're there to make people think a little bit, feel a little bit, connect yeah. a little bit. And then that's all. It's just, we're not, yeah, that's right. We're not sending people that's to the right. moon. These men though, that let us be who we are, that care about the work we're putting out into the world, that are our collaborators and partners in all the ways in which we communicate, they're special to us. Like we're lucky that they don't ask us to bend or twist into a shape that we aren't. You know, that you get to be exactly you. I get to be exactly me. And they're like, we love this. 
We love this. Let's get this into the world. I love working with men. I generally work with women. Most of my colleagues and collaborators are women, but it's always fun to have a man in the mix and just feel that different sort of energy. And we always come up with something interesting. Yeah. And if it holds that like a table is better with women at it, it also holds that Mm -hmm. a table is better with men at it. Like it it shouldn't be a room full of either. Sometimes men have a way, a good way. This can cut both ways, of course, but they have a way of just cutting through the bullshit. Yes, yes. We can't have this conversation without talking about our brothers. You with your like rowdy boys and I have the one, but the brothers, man. uh, It was one thing growing up and it's an entire other thing now that we're all grown. I'm the oldest of four. There's three girls and then the baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So our family is really defined by the brothers. Like GT came first, then Booker. And then the two of them played every sport known to man with my dad as their coach. And then I came in behind that and tried to Tom girl (laughs) my way in. And then I hit puberty and, you know, (laughs) like put some gloss on my lips and mascara, so much mascara, like clumpy, 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 Faye Baker (laughs) mascara. But anyway, I think a really weird thing about being a little sister like as your starting place in life, Mm. is that you're pretty much oriented in in this support position. I don't know if your brother would Mm. say that about having older sisters or if there's a gendered element to it. But Mm. like I was really tuned in to like GT's lacrosse season and Booker's lacrosse season. And I knew a lot about where they wanted to go to college, who they were dating and what work problems they had. And because I was so far behind, I was just uninteresting to them. Like they didn't know Mm -hmm. where I was applying to college. Like who cared where she was applying to college? you know, the older kid is like busy living their big life. Yeah. And so it makes it all the more poignant when those guys show up Mm -hmm. and say a reading. Like I had this reading in New York once and it was early days for the middle place. And Mm -hmm. in the second row was my dad, my cousin, Tim, and my brother, Mm -hmm. GT. Yeah. And then then people figured out like, oh, that's her brother. That's her dad. That's her cousin. And they started to kind of turn around and it was like sort of fun to be like a little bit famous together. Of course. Yeah. And then With those I, big personalities, of yeah. course. And I yeah. was just trying so hard to make them laugh. And mm. it was so fun to do my yeah. thing and have them observe it. Totally. I mean, like there's no compliment that could stand up to the compliment of an older sibling to a younger sibling. Sure. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. So get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's so interesting for me to hear you talk about that because we're exactly reversed. 
yeah. on the sister brother thing. I'm the oldest and Drew's the youngest. And we are 10 years apart. 10 years is a lot in childhood years. It's profoundly less now, but I mean, at the time when Drew was born, my parents are real, real, real sweet. And they have <laughs> for years called him by his nickname, condom failure. Oh, so dear. <laughs> take that straight to your therapist, Drew. Sorry. And so we didn't know Drew was coming along. Nobody did. Drew was a surprise. And yeah, I got that from condom failure, but thank yeah. you. So when Drew was born, my mom just kind of scrambled. And when it's the fourth kid, you realize I don't need anything. I need a place for this baby to sleep and I need two shirts. So my my mom got a crib. She kind of essentially stole a crib from our church nursery and put it in my bedroom. And so just like that, I'm almost 10 years old and I have a baby roommate and oh, uh, it's just in, a, just in the corner. And so mom would put Drew to bed at night. And this was not, this is not when you spent 45 minutes getting a kid to sleep. You right. just put that baby in and you know, go with God. Hopefully he's he'll trapped. just fall asleep. He can't I don't get know. out. So who cares? Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, so mom would just put him in, walk right out the door. So every single night I would wait until I could hear my mom's footsteps like recede. And I would go get Drew, like a tiny born baby out Aww. of his out of his crib. And I would put him in bed with me. This is entirely unsafe. Uh, I didn't set up guardrails. <laughs> I didn't do like a, a pillow barrier. I mean, this is so ill-advised. Stomach sleeping, would, back sleeping. No, Who knew? No, guys. I just tucked him right into my arm. I could have just slept right on top of him. And okay, it's like known. your living baby doll. I called him my private baby. Oh and no. Oh no. Yeah. He was like my little private baby and I would <laughs> fall asleep with him and try, try to put him back in bed before mom would come get him in the morning. Aww. And so like, he was always kind of precious to me, but in a way that was so far removed from me, he was eight years old when I moved out. And so when we talk about it now, he's like, I sometimes refer to you as like my cousin, Jen, because you were so much older than me. Our lives were exponentially not connected. Yeah. But what's so fun is that now we're grown. My brother lives five minutes from my doorstep with his wife and his two sons. And he's at this house four days a week. We have this vernacular that just doesn't even require, it's like a second, it's like a language an inside language. And so now I'm just, me and my sisters both fight over our brother because he's the only boy. You know, you grew up yeah. in a masculine house. Mine was feminine. Yeah. And so we still fight over his attention. That's like so we want to be liked the best by him. We want to be the favored sister. It's so dumb. So great. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think about Booker, my other brother, who was this middle kid who was an observer, he would disappear yeah. when when things got tense. Like there'd be a, uh-huh. a big family brawl about like who was going to rake the leaves and who was going to take the garbage out and sure. why I had to cut the grass. And all of a sudden he'd just look around and say, wait a minute, where's Booker? Mm-hmm. And he's just gone. He'd just leave. But now yeah. since my dad died, I feel like he is filling in that space, that cheerleader mm. vibe. Like he just Mm. sent me the nicest text the other day because he had started watching, you know, after six months, started watching the PBS episodes. Sure. And he was like, (laughs) I cannot get over how good you are at this. Like there's really a difference between this show and other shows. And Mm. I thought, are you doing that? Is that just completely Mm. sincere emerging from you? Or are you conscious that like, I don't have that greeny, that line coming in anymore? You know, that I don't have that that. energy 
coming at me anymore. And so you're filling in for him. Like it, it's just mm. uncanny how positive he is. Mm. I mean, he was raised like that. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, you guys were just yeah. so cheered on as well. Kids. Even if, even if he's doing it consciously, I actually think it's a really loving impulse. It's, it's so like, sweet. It's, he's got like a little burner going on me. Like the kid needs yeah. support, you know, like I gotta, <laughs> gotta give her some love. The other thing about- I do that for my brother. You do? Oh yes. I cheer him on. I'm like, you deserve better than this. The other thing I, I, I find with men that's kind of nice is, you know, if, if you're really close to them and you get into a disagreement, it just has a different quality. And with, I know what with you women, I, I think it like the the huh. feelings are are just like completely extinguished almost seconds yeah. after the interaction. Whereas, <laughs> like I've, I've said to Edward sometimes, like I'll be startled at his tone or something, mm. and he'll think it's funny that I'm startled, and he's like, "What are you talking mm. about?" And then we have this little tussle, and then like literally one beat later, he's like. Should we make some chips and guac? Uh-huh. You want to play backgammon? Totally. I'm like, you're not still mad. Like, I just kind of like <laughs> gave you the business. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I, it doesn't last. It, it just like rolls off me like a duck. I'm like, God, if women talk to each other that way. Totally. I mean, you might remember it five years later. You might remember the time that your friend talked to you like in that kind of sharp edged way. Might remember. Yeah. Do remember with perfect <laughs> recall. Like, <laughs> Still waiting is... for the apology. Thank you very much. Exactly. I love that observation. It's so true. I see this in constant practice with my sons. You know, I have three sons. Amazing. And so these are also men I love. They are 18 and 19 and 23. And so we are in Damn, you young are adult. In or, I'm in it. I'm in it. And so I'm watching them become men. My sons fascinate me the way that they relate to each other, to me, to girls, the way they communicate, the way they're differently wired. And I I have watched them knock it down and drag it out. Or that's just not the way I fought with my sisters. And so I always just think, well, we're doomed. Like the yeah. family's doomed. Yeah. This is it. This oh is my the God. end my of My brothers us. used to beat the crap out of each other. Yes, exactly. So, you know, you're used to that. I was not. And so... Oh my God, I was so wide. I'd be like scared. I'd be sitting on the sofa and they'd be running up and down the stairs, jumping on each other. Like, I was like, this is violence. (laughs) No, it was violence. No, it was. And it was gloves off. And boys have no restraint. You know, they're just like wild Labrador retrievers. And they just spill out everywhere. And then... And then they like, go get ice cream. Yeah. It's over. It is over. Yeah, like passing through these emotional states that are so hot so quickly. I have this vivid memory of my brothers like finishing a brawl while my parents were out. And then the next thing you know, they had opened the half gallon of ice cream, like the carton, Uh and they each had a spoon and they were just going at it. But it was so close to the fight that they were still (laughs) panting and sweating while they ate the ice cream together. And I was like, this is so crazy. Like if if this were girls, this would be the end, period. Oh my gosh. I just love it so much. I am drawn to boys. I mean, now having raised them for, you know, 23 years... Boys now make perfect sense to me. I'm no longer confused. I get the boy thing and I love it. And I think what's precious about boys that I always like to keep fresh, not just in my mind, but kind of in front of my community because 
in a lot of ways. And of course, sometimes warranted, obviously. Men are often super vilified just in our culture. It's it's easy. It's kind yes. of low-hanging fruit. It can be, it's, it's a lazy cheap. way it to lash cheap. out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's cheap and lazy. And I see that trickle down to my boys where teen boys, young adult boys are primarily cast as predatory and filthy and unfeeling and they will they will harm your daughter quick as you can blink an eye you know there's that narrative out there too yeah and so i'd like to remember what i know inside my own home which is it's not true that boys don't have feelings it's not true that they don't love deeply it's not true that love doesn't cut them just as deep as it does girls it's not true that they're not scared to ask a girl to prom they are tender in there it's just the packaging is so wild And not always, like I'm also making a stereotype. There are plenty of precious, sensitive, cerebral boys and they're not less boys because they're not physical and they're not just running around. Like boys have come in all sorts of packagings. Well, you know, that's something I have learned to love. And I I love a man who reads novels. Like to Mm. me, it's like the signal that they they have Mm. an interior life or that they're... Yeah. Like my dad was a huge reader and I just thought that was so cool that... Yeah. He was good. reading all over the spectrum. You know, he was reading Newsweek and Time and The New Yorker. Yeah. And then he was reading fiction. And then he was reading Doris Kearns Goodwin and historical biographies. That's great. I just thought like, he's just feeding himself all the time with this information mm. that's affecting his range of emotion and communication in this super yeah. positive way. And Edward reads novels. And I just must say, it thrills me. A lot of what's really interesting to me now are men who love and crave the participation in the sort of deeper, more feminine conversations. Mm. Yeah. And I must say like a a person that we've necessarily become just family with is my friend, Mm. Andy Lotz, who's been on the podcast before. And he's Liz's Mm -hmm. husband, my Liz, who died of ovarian cancer. We had so much fun with them for so many years. And then of course it completely changed the texture of their relationship. And of course, And it was fun, but it was punctuated with a lot of depth and searching and hope and hopelessness. And and I just can't tell you what a rich relationship that's been for me. And I remember in the Mm -hmm. wake after Liz was gone, Edward said, you know, I I don't talk to Andy. And I said, I know Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. And then I said something to Andy, like, you know, Eddie misses talking Mm -hmm. to you. And he said, I know. And he said, I just, I I need to talk to other moms right now. I'm a mom now. Oh, bless it. Oh, God. And I need to learn like how to mom. And gosh, so you and I both believe Mm. for sure. And I hope everybody Mm -hmm. else does too, that the potential around loss for a Mm -hmm. life-changing quality of intimacy, like to me, it's like, it's almost only possible in that environment. Mm. But mm. there are these things, of course, that happen that make everything stop. That's right. And That's where right. you start to understand layers and levels of yourself mm. and others that just were not available to you under mm. any other circumstance. I had that experience when I lost my marriage because I was a part of our friend group as a couple. But all of a sudden, it was couples engine. And so having lost our commonality in that bit, the we are partnered bit, I told Trey and Jenny, who are my oldest friends, I texted them and I said, look, I didn't ever expect to lose my marriage, but the three of us have been friends 
now for 23 years. And that's longer than most marriages. And so I, what I want you guys to know is that I'm now married to you. Mm. Um, we're married and you're my spouse. And we are going to make long-term decisions together. And we're going to travel and we'll raise each other's grandbabies. And I am yours now and you are mine. And so Trey, immediately I send him this long text. I'm bawling when I send it. And he immediately makes a new group chat on our phone and it's called Thrupple. And so we have a constant group chat called Thrupple where we just discuss our life plans together. And I know. And so, you know, the men sometimes step in in crisis in ways that, like you just said, you can't know otherwise. Yeah. But then they come in like champions. They just come in like heroes. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about when you can get past the niceties with a person, I think, oh my God, Edward's 10 minutes late getting home. Mm -hmm. He probably died. Oh yeah. Who am I going to call? Yeah. And there's just like a little short list of Mm -hmm. great men in my life that I think they would be here. Yeah. They would come yeah. in five minutes. They would figure out all this. It helped me understand the finances of our life because I, like you, have really handed mm-hmm. that over. Like I'm super, super vulnerable on that yeah. count because I, I don't have a yeah. head for it or I don't think I do. Maybe I'm selling myself short, but I, yeah. I do think about that. I would call you and you would come here and you would help me That's like right. unravel this whole thing and, and figure it out in the most loving and they would. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would. Yeah. You're, you're right. And I just think... We've built the, these relationships our whole adult lives, starting in t- as teenagers in some cases. And we get now to sit in the fruit of all that. Yeah. All that connectivity that we prioritize, the time spent, the conversation spent, the millions of hours spent doing whatever. The prize for that is that we get to be at this age and know, I could call you and you'd be at my house in four minutes. It wouldn't be awkward. It wouldn't be a reach. You'd expect my call. That's yeah, and you'd be you'd be eager for it. I mean, you would you would yeah. want to be you'd want to be there. You'd want to serve. Yeah. Like when when my dad was dying, and a super old great friend of mine named Steve Marshall, who was a lawyer in his first life, and he had lost his dad recently when my dad was dying, and I could tell that my mom was having sort of agita about the the paperwork of death. That's sort of what she needed at that moment was to like get things in order a perfectly mm-hmm. reasonable place to go in your mind. And so I called Steve and said, you must know about this. And he said, oh yeah, I did it all with my dad. You want me to come over? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey mom, like Steve Marshall mm-hmm. just went through this. Do you want him to come over? And she said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then she went and got her little folder with these yeah. you know, bank statements and everything. And she just put it on the table. And he, he mm-hmm. brought over this little checklist of like all the things you have to do. You have to all the newspaper and put in an obituary and you need 25 death certificates. He knew that if my dad was leasing a car, that he would, she would need a death certificate to get him out of that lease. He's just telling her these things. And I thought, you are so perfectly tuned into my mom at this moment. Like he didn't try to hug her. He yeah. didn't try to yes. go soft. He didn't try yeah. to emote mm. with her. It was just, yep. he was totally... Yeah. clear on what she wanted and he gave it to her. That's so good. Yeah. That's uh, really... That's so precious. He just knew the exact right note to hit and he hit it. Yeah. And, and in that moment, he's mm-hmm. doing it for me and her. That's right. You know, like that was like the most loving thing a person could do for me in that minute was to like mm-hmm. help and even keep for her calm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. whatever's making people mm-hmm. agitated, like 
whoever can reduce agitation in those days, Mm, like that person's invaluable. And like every time you can put out a little agitation fire, you just help keep the planes calm. Mm, I love that story. I like hearing about your mom's generation of men too. Like we get them too. My mom has them as well. She's got her brother. She has her brother-in-law. She's got the men that love her. My parents set a really good example for me of being really deeply connected to their friends, the men, the women, everybody. And so I never knew that that wasn't a thing. I, I just assumed you grow up and you create like deep and lasting relationships with the men and women in your life. That's just how you live. Yeah, that's so true. My parents played bridge and my mom is super good at bridge. And... I think there was something about that co-ed activity. Like, I mean, they played mixed doubles and stuff, but the men were typically like, you know, really pretty good. Yeah. And the women were out there just making it fun. But in Bridge, she was kind of the boss. Like she was the one who knew the game (laughs) the best, who understood it, who could turn it. And I just remember the way that they were in that room. You know, they'd set up the card table in our living room. Yeah. And listening to them and thinking, this is a real table of equals. She's, she's not like jumping up to serve them. Like she's busy playing and whoever the quote unquote dummy is, there's like a player in every bridge hand that's called the dummy. That person's filling the nuts and taking the uh, dumb waiter <laughs> to great. get the cigarette butts out and <laughs> re- refilling the vodka and, you know, whatever. But the, the, there was an equality mm. and a joyful playing mm-hmm. uh, amongst peers that was mm. so obvious to me. And I, I feel good about that with my girls too. The Jeff Constables, Nandy Sheehan's and Greg Wise and Charlie Ryan, like all these guys yeah. I went to high school with who are still in our lives and we know their That's kids great. and we've traveled with them. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a real joy of my life. And I think they see it and aspire to it. Mm. Mine too. Um, what's fun is about kids, when they get a little older, they're able to articulate that. So my kids are now saying that back to me. Like oh, that's cool. this, this way that you've always been with your friends, our entire childhood, we now see as young adults that this is a little bit special and that some parents just their lives entirely revolve around their kids or their careers, but they don't have a real sense of community that infiltrates their family and their house. And they're like, all we know is this porch filled with your friends and their rowdy husbands and everybody's kids. And that's just been their entire life. And so I feel really hopeful. Yeah. For them too, that that's always going to matter to them. And they'll, they'll prioritize that as they kind of grow up. So my reading that I brought today is from an as yet unpublished book that has been overdue for six years. So, you know, yeah. Uh, And the reason (laughs) that I can't finish it is because I'm uh, like kind of afraid to go public with it because it's about my dad dying and my observations during those, during those weeks. And I just Mm -hmm. am so sure that if I had to do a book tour with it, I'd just cry every night like a lunatic. So just don't hold me accountable for over-emoting here. Um, I've got one too, just like that. So don't worry about it. My favorite male relationships my whole life are with my uncles. Mm. My dad was one of four boys Mm. and there were two girls and they lived in this house that had one bathroom. They would bathe in the same bathwater. Like one would get in, scrub, 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 get out. And the next one go in before it got cold. My mm. uncle Gene said that the reason they all played sports is because you got free clothes and hot showers every day. <laughs> I was like, what free clothes? He's like, the uniform. I'm like, wow. 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 That's <laughs> really grim. God, anyway, Gene. Yeah. So my dad died on a Tuesday night. And on s- Sunday, 
we said to Gino, I think you better come up. His son Brian brought him up. And it's just like a long, hard road for a guy who's 85 years old. But they were so dreamy together. They were so Mm. dreamy and boyish together. I never saw anything (laughs) like it. And by the time they got there, I'm going to say it was one o'clock on Monday and he died at eight o'clock on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And he hadn't said much that whole day. And he weighed 133 pounds down from 200. And he was this little tiny man with these super pronounced cheekbones and his gigantic teeth and yeah. You know, like eye sockets. You were just very aware of of his skull yeah. in a way that it's it's not normal. And mm. and he and he just came to life. Like when Gino <laughs> got there, everything changed. There's one more thing I should say about this. Okay. Is so these messages would come through. Hey, I heard your dad's in the hospital. Tell him I said hey, and you know, hope he gets yeah. better soon. And then Booker would say, Oh, Dad, Stridi mm. says hi. And then my dad, with his eyes closed, his head deep in this pillow, giant smile, and he'd say, Stritty. So we just started writing them down and sticking them on sticky notes on the wall of this room. And so three days later, by the mm-hmm. time he died, there were probably like 300 names yeah. on the wall. I had to reach, reach high up. I had to go way down by my knees. Like they were just covered this wall. GT came. Hours passed. We were mostly quiet. Just after lunch, there was a cheery rat-a-tat-tat on the door of room 602. Gino was here. We hugged. His leather jacket was soft and we joked about how rock and roll he was. He looked sturdy and upright, cooler than anyone I knew except maybe his wife, Bertie, who moved like a 20-year-old in her white down jacket and pink lipstick. Approaching the bed, Gino called out, Greeny, green man, like he was bumping into him unexpectedly at a neighborhood barbecue. I didn't know why he wasn't cringing at the sight of his diminished brother, but he wasn't. He seemed happy. They seemed happy together, like boys. I pretended nonchalance, remembering that when their mother, Cleta, was old and forgetful and pretty lost, they never struck a somber note. How you doing, brother? Better now, Greeny said. And he was. I bet if a nurse had taken his vitals at that moment, she'd have been tempted to pull out the IV and let him go home. Gino saw the sticky notes. We were thinking of the all-time greats, I explained. Gino chuckled. He got closer to read them. He offered up a few names to add. I found a pen in my bag and grabbed the sticky note pad off Greeny's breakfast tray. Toward the bottom, Gino found a winner. Captain Molai. He burst out laughing, tears in his eyes. God, green man, remember that guy? Kel, GT, it was right here, Gene said, pointing to the center of his bottom eyelid. I'm telling you, it was the biggest damn mole you ever saw. I guess these days they'd have taken that thing off before kindergarten. Captain Moli. My mom arrived straight from church. Road warriors, she said, smiling at Gene and Bertie. GT stood up and my mom took his seat. I loved seeing my mom with Gene and Bertie. They liked each other. You could tell she was loose with them. Mayor, how you doing, kid? Gino said, almost making her a kid by calling her a kid. Just left God's house, she said, using my dad's standard phrasing. No better place, Gino said. No better place than that, right, green man? You said it, Greeny said. How about our guy here? That's some diet you've got him on. My mom said, we got some ice cream in him over the weekend, but it's hard. I'm a big insure guy these days, right, lovey? My dad said, looping me in. We talked about the Oscars 
and traffic on 95 and a new face-off guy on my cousin Kevin's lacrosse team at Notre Dame. Everyone was looking forward to March Madness. A nurse popped in. Here's where the party is. How are you doing, Mr. Corrigan? I'm super. This is my brother, Gene Corrigan. Everyone was happy to meet each other. How's your pain, Mr. Corrigan? Maybe right around a three. She pumped his line, giving him a bolus. Why don't I comment back in a few minutes when you guys finish up and see how that worked? That's perfect. My dad's voice was getting thinner. Yes, thank you, we all echoed. I followed her outside. I said, he always says it's a three, even if it's a 10. She said, I know. And then it was time. I did and did not want to watch Jean say goodbye to Greenie. I did because I was more aware than I had ever been that I would someday be dying and it might be helpful to watch each beat. And I did not because my inevitable blubbering would probably ruin what should be a private and sublime moment before I could leave the room. Before any of us could, Gino leaned over and kissed Greenie's forehead. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. My dad whispered back. Love is love. Like, I love love. Yeah. And I loved how much they loved each other. And I mean, it was, it was crazy, Jen. Like, he mm-hmm. was so tired and small and sick. And then he wasn't. Yeah. Huh, For gosh. those 25 minutes, he was totally himself again. Yeah. Laugh. He was laughing so hard about Captain Molai. <laughs> which like who wouldn't uh, but, but it's it just astonishing what mm-hmm. what what Gino was able to mm-hmm. breathe into him it's precious oh lord it's like all at once it's so sad and hard and it's so like beautiful and wonderful I know. it's all the thing everything is. is in there well that's what you know it's, it's so funny after my dad died I was sitting on the porch with Edward and he never cries like oh this things, anything that's Uh happened over the last 20 years, no tears. But this, he cried like a couple Mm -hmm. different times. And I said, I am surprised. I feel like you're kind of different. Like, I feel like you're a little more emotionally porous after this. And he got choked up again. And he said, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing that gets me is not the sadness. It's the love. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right, right. That's Mm -hmm. what we're crying about. It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. that's amazing that people can love each other that much. That's right. And of course, that's how Greenie lived his entire life. So of course, yeah. of course, that's what's going to send him home. Yeah. Is that level of love. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, thank you for reading that. I know that's yeah. hard to read, but it's just so powerful. You know, we didn't talk a whole lot about our dads because we've talked about it before on your show and mine. And so we gave a little spotlight to some of the other men in our lives, but you and I are very much on record as having incredible dads and good parents. And I know this more and more the older I get. Like, oh God, I'm so lucky. Yeah. I was so lucky. And so not in this last book, but in the one before it, Moxie, I wrote a bit of a letter to my parents. I'm just going to read excerpts of it. I titled it, We Were Sort of Medium. And (laughs) you'll see why. Anyway. Okay. Dear parents, (laughs) Mom, today is your 65th birthday, which means you and dad are both officially able to retire as well as receive the senior discount at Luby's. Congratulations. You cannot beat the Luann platter for $5.99. Your son and oldest grandson would be happy to take you there to celebrate because as you know, they are Luby's evangelists. Grandma King raised us right. We love a cafeteria. Anyway, 
I thought I'd write you and dad some thoughts on growing up king. That's my maiden name. The Sibs and I have discussed and have nearly identical assessments. The only departure is their extra gratitude for getting bailed out of jail. As the sole dependent who hasn't seen the inside of a cell, I confess I have lied to you about a bunch of other stuff. So let's just call it even and leave you to bask in the glow of no longer raising us. Teenagers are delightful. We cannot believe you didn't drink back then. One of the lamest things about raising kids is how they don't fully appreciate you until they're grown. What a chore to suffer the self-righteousness, exasperated sighs, and sassy mouths. And you endured all that and then some. I mean, we were some oppressed children. (laughs) Roll eyes. Would it have killed you to buy one pair of guest jeans and subscribe to MTV? Like nobody knew the trouble we saw. God, I just wanted MTV, Kelly. We didn't have it either. That's all I wanted. We didn't have it No, of course you did it. Not in their Catholic home. Okay. But then we grew up and discovered we'd had an amazing childhood. My first clue came in college when tons of my friends had broken families and worked three jobs to put themselves through school. It never even occurred to me to worry about funding my degree, much less detaching from toxic parents. As it turned out, we'd been cradled in security since the day we were born. Oh, sure, we didn't have much money, but I had no idea. Our life never felt scarce or fragile. Now I know you scrimped and worried, but we never felt that then. You gave us real security the kind that settles down in your bones and insulates you from fear. To this day, I cannot muster up much fear. I am overconfident in this world and its people, which you can either take the blame or the credit for. And then they go into a handful of things that they gave us, but here's just one example. Second, thanks for being super into us. This is where you and I are the same, Kelly. We grew up with fans. I'd be remiss not to single you out here, dad, because your particular brand of enthusiasm is, as we all know it, legendary. All four of us sincerely believed we were special children, that the universe blessed us with talent and charm, intelligence and wit. We bought all your hype. You believed in us irrationally, which made us accidentally confident. We were solidly in our 20s before discovering we were just sort of medium. But by that point, (laughs) by that point, it was too late. We missed the window of insecurity and entered adulthood like, here we are. And the world was like, so, which did not detour us in the slightest. I want you to know that I then quoted you from the middle place. And then, of course I did. You know, that's my favorite. And then I wrapped it like this. Healthy parents... And a healthy childhood was a real and rare gift. And I didn't even know to be grateful until it was over. But I am. We all are. We are so very thankful for parents who loved us well. It still brings such security to be your daughter. And I'm halfway through my life. I've submitted my proposal to God for the end of your earthly lives. And it involves you dying peacefully in your sleep at the exact same time holding hands in 40 years. I figured dad could live to be 109 easily because he still runs four miles a day. And mom could reach 105 because she cooked with so much oat bran from 1988 to 1991. (laughs) In the meantime, we kids will keep having babies and launching them into the world for a while. And we will still bring them all over to your house to eat baked goods and climb your trees and shoot pool while we drink wine on your porch. The middle place, there you are, still has a lot of life left. So we'll store up these years like a treasure, remembering them one day just as fondly as the first phase of our family when we were dirty kids drinking water out of the backyard hose. Of course, in a hundred years, no one will remember any of us and our story will be lost in obscurity. But for us, for all these years, when we were kids and then grownups, when you were young parents and then grandparents, 
This is the only story that ever mattered. And it was such a marvelous one. The best story I ever imagined. Bless these parents. Bless these parents. And may we learn and take forward what they gave us. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love you. I love being with you. Thanks a lot for doing this. Me too. I'm just so happy that you asked me. I'm going to close us out in another Kate Bear poem. Are you ready? I'm ready. This poem is called What Kind of Man? What kind of man weeps at the feet of his wife in pain, holds up the pink and shrieking thing and feels the throb of time? What kind of man wraps a cloth around his waist and holds the baby to his chest, walks through the streets, swaying like a drunk in the morning? What kind of man feels the rage of men and only swallows at his daughter's fists at his chest? What kind of man does not give up his time, his many pleasures, but hands them over without a sound? What kind of man bends to hold them in their suffering, in their questions, in their garbled turns of phrase? What kind of man admits his failures, turns over his heavy stones, stands at the feet of grief and wanting and does not turn away? What kind of man becomes a father, a lasting place, a steady ship inside a tireless storm? Mm, gorgeous. Thank you, Kate. Thank, Thank you, Kate. Kate. Bear. Thanks, Jen Hat. Thanks, Kelly Corrigan. Until next time, my friend. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Jen here, dropping in with a real quick announcement that we're super excited about. We are launching a premium podcast on Apple Podcasts. So what is a premium podcast? Well, It's the same great show that you've come to know and love every single week, but with a few extra features. Subscribers to the premium podcast will get, first of all, earlier access to the show each week. Also, all of the shows will be commercial free. And finally, we'll have some really great exclusive content from yours truly and extra bonus episodes featuring a variety of amazing guests as well. And all of this goodness starts on Apple Podcasts on July 19th. So head on over to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe. It's only $2.99 a month for all these great features, early access, no commercials, and exclusive bonus content. You're going to love it.